you want to live a life of freedom and adventure? Are you wanting more than the daily grind? Me too. Welcome to The Emma Lovell Show, a place where we talk about living a life you love now. I'm your host, Emma Lovell, and my number one value is freedom. I've spent the last 14 years running a business and traveling the world, and now I take my husband and toddler along for the adventure too. It's possible and I know you can create a life doing what you truly love as well. This podcast will inspire, motivate, and encourage you to go after your dreams, to create a life you love and to live it now, not wait for a time and or someday in the future. I'll be sharing episodes weekly about how I harmonize business, travel, and self-care. I'll also bring on incredible guests to share their journeys, the wins, the challenges, and how they're creating a life they love. Let's jump in and get dreaming. This is a space for you to manifest a life you love. I would like to acknowledge and recognize Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the first peoples of this place, now known as Australia. I am grateful for the continuing care of the land, waterways and skies where I work, live, listen, learn and play. From here on Yugambeh country and from wherever you are listening, I pay my respects to the elders past and present. Welcome to the podcast today. I'm so excited to introduce you to Tara Ladd, a visual brand strategist. Tara is someone who I'm basically sending reels and memes and ideas and things to on a daily basis. She has a brilliant mind and such creativity that I love tapping into, but she's also become such a wonderful confidant and friend and business pal that I really rely upon. And I can't wait for you to hear the journey that she's been on, which is incredible, the impact that it's had on her business um, and how she's coming through the other side. So Tara is the brains and divergent thinker behind your one and only. She's not just another visual brand strategist. She's the visual brand strategist who's taken brands from meh to wow. And she's got the street credit of working with brands like Coca-Cola, McDonald's and Telstra behind her. She's got 10 years in agency experience as well as six years running her own show and she's just a powerhouse. But she's not just making things pretty, she's crafting brands that get into your brain in a good way and she's got an awesome podcast called Brand and Butter where she talks about all things design, psychology and brand. And yeah, I just can't wait for you to hear Tara and hear her story. Uh, It's so beautiful and um let me just jump in because it's too good please welcome tara welcome to the podcast tara lad thank you so much for having me em in a long time coming i say that a lot but i feel like i wanted you on every podcast i've done which is three so we made it we're here now it's been a hot minute hot minute (laughs) yep And even before we started recording, it was like, are we even going to get to it today? Because we spoke for like 40 minutes, basically. Just <laughs> You know, those memes and those reels where it's like, oh, um, you you know, when someone sends you a voice memo and you need like half an hour to listen to it, or it's like their own personal TED talk, that's me and Tara. Literally Absolutely. eight minute voice memos or a series five in a row of three minutes. And you're like, just let me get a tup- cup of tea. Or I'm like, oh, good. I'll go for a walk so I can hear <laughs> Tara's TED talk and then have time to respond appropriately. Or I I respond as we go, which is quite interesting to see. It's like the whole te- text message thread or it's some kind of 
it could have been a phone call, let's face it. <laughs> yeah, but, then, but then we get on the, it, the good thing about voice memos though is that you do get to like say your piece. Whereas when you have a conversation, which is, you know, how conversations work, you kind of jump in on each other. So the voice memos, it's a good vent, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Podcast is also a good vent. <laughs> I think we basically just use it as our own personal venting platform. Journal. It's a verbal journal. It's verbal diarrhea on my part. Anyway, you do have a podcast as well, but let's just get a little, you know, I've, I've done an intro, but I'd like to just hear from your words. How would you describe Tara Ladd? Tara Ladd is, uh, she's a visual brand strategist and a, I'm writing to behavioral insights at the moment. So I'm, I'm diving into big sucker for human behavior. But aside from that, I'm also a, um, a mum of two boys. I am a fitness enthusiast, though that's taken backseat recently. Um, I love going out and meeting friends. Uh, I'm an ADHDer, which means that I can talk anyone's ear off about anything I'm interested in and be really uninterested in some conversations so much that I seem rude. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Um, but I'm very, very uh, passionate about, uh, well, equality, especially in regards to you know, women's rights, motherhood, um, and basically just helping, you know, to create a voice for those that don't have one. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. And she's just rad as well. <laughs> very, very cool chick. And uh, we we met quite a while ago, but we didn't actually get to like meet for maybe a year or two. Yeah, it was ages. Putting inverted commas, even though we're on a podcast. Um, it was COVID. Yeah, we met. That's we met why. online yeah. through Business mm-hmm. Club, and then you even left Business Club after a year. And I think it was because of you and um, our, our lovely Robin leaving that we kind of wanted to have a group to stay in touch. Uh, yeah, which was good. A little community, and then I don't even know when the first time I met you, but like this is the surreal thing about online is and the power of of this is that, um, you know, yeah, I feel like I see you all the time, but we probably maybe like on, you know, two hands we could count how many times we've actually hung out in person. Totally. Yeah. It's like best friends on it <laughs> first sight. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> We're the three best friends that anyone. Oh, uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> It's the hangover right there. Um, but look, you've been, I mean, COVID was um, a curveball for sure. But I really want to talk to you today about, you know, you've got a rocking business. You create amazing content. You um, help businesses have these amazing brands. Tara actually helped me uh, with my rebrand to Emma Lovell. We've got work. We're still going to, she's always like, <laughs> it's going to be, there's more. Um, but even just getting like a color palette down and some, um, well, just um, some guidance around what, yeah, what I was trying to convey was huge, and and to get over to get over the, um, just to get it out there. So anyway, but like if you look at my what's going out there at the moment, that was um, huge, huge support from Tara, and more to come. And then two of my lovely clients have rebranded, and it just looks incredible. Let alone many of our other colleagues. Um, so you do all that, and that's awesome. But you have had quite the journey, um, you know, and it, it's so easy to look at you, Tara, and to go like, oh, she's got it all together and the business is amazing, <laughs> rocking it and life's cool. But as we we both know, there's always a story behind that. So, yeah, um, well, well, let's jump to the nitty gritty. COVID was one thing, but you had a major family crisis that kind of threw a curveball in life. 
Yeah. So, um, 2019, I was 32 years old and I was like, well, it's actually 2018, but I was ready to, uh, start a family. Uh, the business had been kicking for two and a bit years now. We'd started to grow the team. It was really, um, you know, it was really, you know, growing quite quickly and significantly and we were developing a really good reputation. Um, and super anal in the way that I organize everything. I had everything crossed and dotted before I left to go on mat leave. But um, yeah, perfect pregnancy, nothing nothing went wrong. And in June, uh, July, sorry, 2019, I had my firstborn Ari, who uh, just happened to be born with a chronic liver disease called uh, biliary atresia, which we didn't realize until, you know, three weeks into um, him not gaining any weight and lactation consultants telling me I was doing things wrong. And yeah, all of the, you know, the big ups and downs of trying to figure out what's wrong with a newborn baby when so many things can go wrong. And it turned out, yeah, he, he was diagnosed with, um, with this, which is basically a blockage of the bile ducts. So three and a half weeks we were sent, I went to the doctors just to, my midwife actually thought it was a, um, cause I had the midwife program. I was there. If someone came to my house for a couple of weeks after, which was awesome. Thank God I had that. Cause if I didn't have that support, who knows what would happen, but yeah, so she suspected it might've been a UTI. Sometimes kids donate with a UTI. Went to the doctor and got them to just run some bloods just to make sure. And she noticed a yellow ring around his belly and, you know, wanted to get more bloods than what was suspected. You know, we went in for the, the wee sample and came out with the whole blood work. And then the next day at lunchtime, we were called up um, with the GP telling me to go to the ED for an emergency pediatric review, which obviously is nothing that anyone with a new baby wants to hear. So hightailed it off to the ED, a bunch of different questions all come firing and stuck in this fog of, you know, early, you know, baby PPD, all the, all the things that you have. Um, and then, yeah, turns out at four weeks, we had to go to Westmead Kids and have surgery for um, to replumb him. So basically biliary treasure is the blockage of the bile ducts. The bile ducts can be so tiny in a baby, like the ultrasound didn't pick it up. So we had to run a dye through his body to see how the dye um, basically funneled through his body. Uh, and it didn't go away, which meant that there was nowhere for it to drain, which basically it's a buildup of the bile in the liver, uh, which causes scar tissue and eventual liver failure. So. We were early stages and we had the correction surgery, which is actually one of the highest failure rates in pediatric surgeries of 30% success rate, 30% um, partial success, and basically 30% flat out, 33.333, you know, make that calculation. But yeah, so we ended up falling into bucket number two. Uh, he went in, we did the what's called the CASI procedure where they um, – they cut the small intestine and they replummet to the liver and it basically just funnels straight through that way. And he was put on a special baby formula, um, which was a medium chain triglyceride in layman's terms is basically a, a, you know, a synthetic fat. So it's a different way of processing fat in the body for him to gain weight. And because the, um, the small intestine was connected to the liver, we lost a sphincter. Um, which basically is like a little flap, which stops things coming in and out, um, which actually creates more of a chance for, you know, infection. So we had to be very careful when he had a fever 
and that happened in October. So yeah, we went in some, some kids that have this are fine and they can last, but unfortunately for us, it failed. So, uh, for the next few months, what we had to do was basically wait for our child to get really sick before they would list him for a transplant. So it was quite a rocky period of watching him get worse before he could get better. And at the same time, the business was absolutely blowing up. So it's kind of this really happy medium kind of happy said moment where you kind of you got you can't really be happy in one aspect of your life because something so catastrophic is happening in the other and it can be so you know they they say that you need to really have all plates spinning equally and i guess it's the opposite at the moment family life is great and business life kind of took a dive off the back of that so it's like now it's tilting the other way so you know it's it's um we went in got the the work up in february it was a whole week in hospital at westmead where we met uh, anesthesiologists where they spoke about all of the drugs that would basically go in to keep him alive during the surgery. We spoke to surgeons, we spoke to counsellors um, and just such an in-depth. Now I look back at it, I'm like, how the heck did I even manage to live through that? Because it's so intense. Um, and now I le- know that I was living in fight or flight. So it's basically like, you know, <laughs> you look back now and like, whoa. Uh, so all these people saying, things that they thought were helpful but weren't like if it happened to anyone it could happen to you and you're like please stop saying that to me um so yes it, we need some language uh learnings in society on how we speak to people that are dealing with certain things and I guess that's something that I try and help as, as, and also speak to on my personal Instagram page but yeah it was just kind of uh, a, a bit of a whirlwind and then yeah come February, we were we actually were just about to be listed. It takes a week because you've got to work with the adult hospital, which is at uh, RPA. Uh, for those who don't know, a liver, an adult liver, can be cut into two and save two kids' lives, um, which is super cool. So, if there was a organ to need, it was probably the best one to get. Um, while this was all happening, he ended up being admitted to hospital literally within that week of processing. So they can't continue to list you if you are in hospital already um, or if you are out of like two and a half hours away from the hospital because obviously it's quite time sensitive so you need to ha- have all these rules in place but yeah we ended up being taken to hospital because a common side effect is uh, what's called ascites which is the buildup of fluid in the belly um, so we have this photo of him uh, at eight months old with his belly which looked like he was pregnant so massive massive full of full of fluid and it was just, and he was bright yellow. So that's a side effect of, um, you know, of the buildup of bile is that you get what's called pathological jaundice, which is the bilirubin can't come out during uh, your feces um, or doesn't come out in your, in your stools. And so that's why the pigment disappears. Anyone that has white stools, please see a doctor. It's a liver issue. Um, one of the early stages of uh, knowing that something was wrong was also that his stools were really pale. So, yep, that applies to literally anyone. The insides of his eyes were really yellow. Um, his teeth were a little bit yellow and stained. So, yeah, that's that's kind of a, a, an indication that something's wrong. You'll also notice if someone does have a, a liver disease that they will have, you know, a yellowish skin. But yeah, so we went in and ha- had to uh, be put on a diuretic and different types of drugs to basically get rid of the liquid this just to add salt to the wound he had a uh, hernia that he that also decided it wanted to show its ugly head in that stage and they were talking about taking us to 
Randwick, the other kids' hospital, to do it, but our team at Westmead were like, don't worry about it. We'll just get rid of it when we do the transplant surgery. So technically he had two surgeries in one when he went in for a transplant. Um, and so, yeah, in the middle of May, um, we, had, we got the call, which was the number one lockdown in Sydney during COVID, which was super awesome. Um, and there was a whole bunch of precautions in place. So we were the first transplanted kid at Westmead that wasn't controlled. So you can have live donors, so parents donate to their children. So there was one of those that had already happened, but for us, it was the first instance of, of this. So they didn't really know the protocol. They didn't know what we needed to do. There was only allowed to, you know, one parent was only allowed and it's kind of, how do you put a life-threatening surgery on, on the board and say, sorry, only one parent can come in. So they were really great, but yeah, there was lots of things that we had to listen to, lots of things um, that I guess, it was quite confronting at the time so everyone was worried about being locked up in their house and we were like least of our worries um the transplant was on may so, so we got the call uh, on may 2nd um and they called me at five o'clock it was the most surreal phone call uh we weren't allowed to tell anyone for three months on social media there's a whole big thing about that because they they don't really want people to know who it came from or make the connection because there is a whole bunch of protocol in place. And after I spoke to the team, it was really interesting to know that some people just have, um, they can get really attached to the person that has taken their loved one's organs or they wanna create this uh, relationship or maybe they don't want it to go to a boy, they wanted it to go to a girl or, you know, there's all of these nuances involved. Um, so you kind of have to work through Donate Life or Transplant Australia to communicate. So obviously we sent a letter we haven't heard back and that's fine um we will continue to write during stages of his life but you know sometimes people don't really want to hear they just kind of uh, are grateful that they've done something quite nice and we're always super super grateful for donors and we'll continue to always champion that aspect but um and always donate blood if if, if you can't donate for whatever reason that you can actually donate your blood because uh most of the time they have a transfusion during transplant so Something I try and do every so often is to get in there and donate as much as I can if I'm healthy. Um, and yeah, so that was uh, another thing that was really cool. So yeah, we went through that whole stage. Uh, it was a six week recovery. He was out of hospital in three weeks, but it's a six week recovery period. We can't see literally anyone except, you know, just us. I uh, can't risk any type of um, disease or because he's so immunosuppressed from, um, you know, having an organ transplant. Um, it's like a, a build up again. So you've got to find the fine balance between uh, compromising your immunity to accept the liver, um, but not compromising it enough to get disease and infection. So it's a constant assessment of bloods and um, medications. And, you know, people would look at us and say, oh, what do you have to do? So when we pre-transplant, we were giving him 15 vials of medication morning and night. Um, Post-transplant, where, you know, one year later, we're now at one a day. So it's crazy just the difference that it's made in him is completely normal kid. You would know anything. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like the most happy go lucky kid you'll ever meet. Mm. But what a, what a ride. So yeah, during COVID that was actually really beneficial for us as everyone stay at home and wash their hands, be super hygienic. Like selfishly, that was perfect for us because we needed a, an environment like that. So, you know, it's become quite common practice for everyone to just, habitually do this stuff now wash their hands you know use sanitizer and just be much healthier um but obviously you know he's had his transplant everything was great it's kind of after that that everything takes a bit of a turn 
mm-hmm. you know, you, you kind of hit some kind of normality and then there's a bit of PTSD that kicks in because once you can kind of deal with it and you're, you're everything, you know, you're out of fight or flight and things start to steady out is when, you know, everything kind of rears its ugly head. So there was just different ways of dealing with things. We had to go to, we now, any time from this point forward, he gets some fever over 38.5, it's mandatory hospital stay for 48 hours. Um, and yeah, so during those first three years, we've been, it's been one year since we've been in hospital, touch wood, that's the best we've ever had. But the first three and a bit years, he was in hospital 37 times, which is 37 times at a minimum of two days at a time. So that constant interruption of business and life and just steadying back out really took its toll, uh, not only on the business, but on my mental health. Um, and conveniently, December 2020, we thought things were kind of steadying out and I fell pregnant with my second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a great idea, wasn't it? Um, and then things kind of went into lockdown. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a ride, but, yeah, it's kind of um, – you can't, you can't plan for that. You couldn't, you, there was no way to plan for that. Plan. But how, how did you feel then going into Bly's, um, like with being pregnant with Bly? Were you, you know, well, have- interestingly enough, you assume that you've got it covered because what, how bad could it be? You, mm. you just had such a, um, such a, you know, emotional traumatic experience. Like surely the next one will be fine. <laughs> Um, and for the record, uh, biliary trees isn't hereditary. It's just an actual genetic F up. So just lots of things happen when you're creating children and sometimes genes don't like to talk to each other. <laughs> um, so yeah, they've, they've never found, um, the reason for it. They suspect it's something to do maybe with, um, the mother getting sick, um, during pregnancy. And the reason that it's not really shown in utero is because the mother's body's keeping, everything okay until it kind of, the baby has to kind of live and, and go on its own is when everything kind of hits the hits the shit. But, yeah, so it's pretty much where we're in. But, yeah, Bly was, um, I mean, aside from the fact that we were in lockdown for the vast majority of his pregnancy and, um, and also in hospital with Ari, it became quite, I was trying to mentally be like, don't be stressed out with calm. <laughs> don't <laughs> no depression vibes or cortisol into the, into the womb, please. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was hard. So, but at the same time, the business actually skyrocketed. Everyone was getting funding. People were coming into this. So I had the team, thankfully I'd built the team. Um, but off the back of that, obviously I needed the team because off the back of Bly, who also had a lactose intolerant and was colicky for 10 months straight. Uh, that was fun. Um, it sent me into PPD. So I did have a really rough time in 2021, 22, um, just dealing with PPD. some stuff. Postpartum. Hey? Postpartum. Postpartum depression. Yeah. Also I'm ADHD and I never really, um, I hadn't been medicated since I was 16 years old. I had everything sorted, but I think it was just the, and anyone that knows anything about ADHD, it's just basically overwhelm. And you have a high ability to manage stress. So I just, I think it just got to the point where my ability to manage the level of stress just tipped. So, you know, pandemics, inflations, two children, a, a, a transplant, some colic, like, you know, it just, t- it tilted. So I just found that once it tipped, I couldn't, couldn't get back. Um, yeah, so that's like, yeah, like, you know, there was that nice boom 2021 kind of, and you talk about it a lot, which is helpful. And obviously then applying it to, you know, having gone through, a crisis a family and medical crisis as well of that delayed reaction Mm. and so you know we all 2020 kind of wasn't as bad as 2021 as 
in a way it hit us all in 2022 and then the repercussions are still because then all that like you, you've said before all that funding and stuff um went away then it was like well who are the businesses who are going to survive without any ex- additional help because you know and we were you, you were a bit um I don't know frivolous at times with like what you totally. could on and we weren't spending money on you know I speak for myself with travel and things back open we didn't have to spend money outside the house so you could buy a bit more stuff or do a bit more courses or get a bit more help in your business because you weren't spending money on other things and then you add in the real world <laughs> the way the world really functions um and you're like oh actually this money won't go that far hey lovely i truly believe it's your time to shine To build your business, you need to know the right steps to take at the right time. And I know it can feel so overwhelming trying to figure out what to do next when there's so many things to do. That's why I offer the Hour of Power. It's one hour where we get clear actions that you can take to start building your business today. You can use this session to get advice, review content, build strategies, or work through mindset blocks. We could simply talk about what you want to do next, what you want to attract into your life, and how you could actually bring more travel and enjoyment into your life. It's whatever you need. This is your time, and I'm here to back you every step of the way. So let's set you up for massive success. Check it out, The Hour of Power. You can find it on my website, emmalevel.au forward slash work with me. Check out the show notes, and if you're interested at all, please do contact me. You can also get me at emma at emmalevel.au. Now back to the episode. And you're like, oh, actually, this money won't go that far. Yeah, well, in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? If everyone knew what was coming up, I think a lot of people would have would have done things differently. Like I didn't apply for grants because um, I just assumed, hey, we're going all right, give it to someone that needs it. But now I was like, shit, like we should have done that. Like we were totally acceptable for that. Like lots of different things that we should have, should have. But, you know, it's it, this is this is what they talk about in business, isn't it? It's like you have to learn from, like, I don't assume that we're going to have a pandemic again, um, but we all have to really understand that we don't control. There's things that we just can't control, but it's how we react when we're in those circumstances that creates the resilience and the change that we need to create successful businesses. So I found that 2022 is the year of the, you know, of the recovery um i still think people were still all over the shop like you know people lost people we were restricted from social connection people lost the ability to kind of go out and have conversations there was like huge ramifications and and no one knew how to deal with this um thankfully herd immunity was built and people were able to get back out into society again and and socialize but you know, at what cost there's now a new a new pandemic or an epidemic, I should say, of mental health of people that just, you know, everyone's still stuck. They're stuck. Uh, you talk to people, they think 2020 was yesterday. It's like nearly, it's like four years ago now. Like, <laughs> like why didn't I do, like, yeah, I kept going. It was so surreal. I know, again, like such a, a me problem, but the fact that I didn't go to India for four and a half years, when I have a, actually have a business there and had been going, I went to twice in 2019 and had all these plans and you're like, what? It took me four and a half years to get back. But it's like, that's just. Well, you couldn't get there. I couldn't. I mean, and I, in a way, could have gone in 2023 earlier, but we were going in end of November. There was a lot of catch up. I've seen in the travel space, there's a lot Usually. of catch up. And people are playing catch up. 
Um, and there was that thing as well of like you talked about, like having some people have gone all in on the business stuff and gone all in on business um, travel and business connections and getting back out there in that respect. And other people are like, I'm just focusing on my family. And they've gone and they put a lot of their money into having that trip that they didn't get to have, um, spending time visiting people um, because they didn't get, they, they're making up for lost time. And also, we also have to remember that that's, I guess, and you and I both know that that's the privilege side of things. Um, yeah. There's also the other side of those that were severely impacted by the by the pandemic and also those that were severely impacted by uh, inflation last year. And so the ability to want to spend on your business is almost slim to none if you have so many other different life circumstances. And I spew this narrative out so many times because I believe that it is highly privileged people that talk to if you don't make enough time to do this, then, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like we all know the importance of building a business and scaling a business. And But I can tell you right now as someone that has just absolutely slogged herself for the last 10 months you know this m like you know i'm talking from anyone that says that you know you shouldn't be hustling to um doing the hustle culture anymore to 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 do your business like you're doing it wrong it's like well sometimes people just don't have the option to do that right um and for me it was from i had to let my team go um i've let my studio go so i'll be leaving my studio in a couple of weeks i think they found someone to replace it um, that's bittersweet. Um, I've let that go. So I'm not uncomfortable with it. I've got a whole new idea to redecorate my space at home. So there's like a new adventure that I want to do, but you know, it's, you have to let go of some of the things that you did do or what you consider to be your pillars of success and reshape the narrative to figure out how you can now grow in a new way, in a different way, because the way that previously, you know, the, the way that you thought you could have done it previously is no longer viable. Um, and so I see, that in order to grow a business, some, of course you need all these big fandangle things, right? But it all comes down to strategy. It comes down to the plan. It comes down to where you want to be. It comes down to who you're speaking to. And you can get so creative on such a minimal budget and grow your audience so great that you don't need to be spending thousands and thousands of dollars into mentors. And I mean, sure, that's important, but you just don't need to do that. Um, and... I think that that's where we've gotten last year is that people that didn't have that extra burden of the mental load of motherhood or parenthood will just, or even, I shouldn't even say that, I should say, or disability or carers or respite, like all of these things where mental health, if you don't, if you are someone that's living life where you're financially set, you know, uh, mentally you're great, you know, you've got a really good support network, you actually have to step outside your bubble of privilege for a second and take a good hard look of where the world is at. I've had to call out so many people that I know, and I actually am calling myself out because there are places where I am privileged in being mm. able to fix my loan for five years prior to all of the interest rate rises so that we haven't taken a hit at all with that space. But knowing that there are other people that are literally scraping their money together because they're doubling their mortgages every week, right? Like, it's just understanding where people are sitting in the market and that like we've seen the behavior changed on social media. It's very volatile. There's mm -hmm. a huge societal shift happening. People are really angry. And a lot of this stems from depression and anxiety. And this oh, all and comes like off the before, fight or flight. Like people are 100%, everyone is still, yeah. Feast or famine and living on that, like 
yeah, one minute everything's coming in, it's all lush and wonderful, and then the next minute you you are, you're scraping by. And it's, um, you know, acknowledging privilege but also living in the circumstances that you are because if we True. Sort of can't say to someone, well, there are starving children in Africa, I'm very well aware of that. I sponsor two children in World Vision. I've been there. I've seen it. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, um, but I have to live with the, the world that I have to deal with the circumstance that I am in. Um, I know that there's billionaires who have problems as well. Like I think, you know, we have to deal with where we're at, um, be sensitive to the people around us. But obviously th- your problems are very real to you. My problems are very real to me. 100%. That's that comparison that, and, you know, and I think that's what you talk like that came up. We saw that people kind of going around the Taylor Swift thing, you know, it's like the compare, like the comparing of, well, you could just do this or you could just do that. It's like, you can't compare your situations and what hundred percent or what their circumstances are. You can't just place your own judgment onto that and go, I don't know, just be better. <laughs> like, yeah. And that, I think that that's what it is. Like I have no hate on anyone that is constructing a directive towards people that are in specific circumstances. Right. So if you're in a business um, and you do a certain thing and you're un- largely unaffected, then kudos to you. A lot of the times that's, that's built from, uh, previous uh, great systems that they've already set themselves up so that nothing fails. Like that's the point of creating good business models is that you can actually ride the storm when things get hard. Different revenue streams and providing diversification in that space is absolutely where you need to be. Where I where I get really annoyed is when people are using that blamey kind of uh, rhetoric on, and like you just said, you can be doing so great. Everyone has problems. Of course they do. You know, my problems are different. Your problems. Like I have a child that has successfully left the hospital. There are other children um, like your beautiful nephew and that, you know, don't have the same outlook and their lives are vastly different to my life. And, and you can't compare from that point of view. I guess what I'm saying is that don't throw shade or circumstantial facts at people that when you don't understand their uh, the nuances of their life. Uh, so don't sit there and say, oh, you know, you're lazy because you do X, Y, Z. Uh, for instance, the amount of times I see people go, how much time do you have in a day? I see so many people scrolling their phone when we all know that actually scrolling your phone is, is a trauma response. Uh, people do that because there's no expectation they're escaping their reality. Like, and if I wonder how many people knew that it's just understanding where we're at. So if you're someone in that space where you're largely unaffected, hell yeah, have at it, but target people that aren't affected as well and speak directly to those people so that you're not actually making someone feel less than with your messaging. Um, and again, it's not up to you to shape the feelings of how other, other people, I guess, respond to what you put out there. I, I, I understand that as well. But just understand that not everyone's in your position. So step outside your own bias for a minute and understand that the world's in a vastly different circumstance, depending on where you live, where your upbringing is. Uh, our brains actually shape the way that we see the environments that we live in. Someone that's had, um, and you know, trigger warning, uh, had any kind of uh, abuse during their childhood would experience the world vastly different to those of us that haven't. Um, and it's it's hugely correlated. And I think that the more we speak about mental health and the more we think about the way that um, we have conversations with one another and be a little bit more compassionate and empathetic, we can start to understand that there's certain nuances involved and it comes down to the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. Like Mm. bottom, bottom of that is, you know, food, security, safety, um, you know, keeping yourself alive. And for a lot of people last year, it was keep food on, yep. Keep food on the table for your kids. If you didn't have kids, you're already up a a ladder. And that's not saying that you're you're privileged. It's just that you're in a different circumstance to understand the circumstances of your audience and don't tell them that they're doing something wrong, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you said about language before. I'm a big one with having uh, words are part of my love language, but also having a child now, like that language and, and a, I'm a communicator. So, but that language around our children and the things that we say and how easily and how quickly we can take that on. Um, but, you know, like you touched on, I, yeah, so it was a year ago that I reached out to you. We were already, you know, we were, had already been supporting each other, but um, became very close because um, I reached out to you when my nephew we found out he had a terminal diagnosis. I mean, I reached out to you before um, because they'd been in hospital and having a serious, and Tara was the first person I thought of. It was like, who's been through this? And my ask of Tara was like, how did you want to be communicated to and how did you want support and what did you need and what's actually helpful? Um, you know, understanding that I, I did go down, but also that I don't live nearby. Um, so how can we help from afar and what do you what do you say to someone who's um, doesn't know what's wrong with their child and is in a medical crisis? And then it was only a few short weeks later that we found out that he is terminally ill. He has crab A disease, which is a rare genetic condition. As you said, there's a lotto there, and um, yeah, that was the lotto that and the card that they were dealt. And um, yeah, Louis has been given one to two years to live, so it's been one year now. And um, he is declining in health, but I am eternally grateful to you, Tara, for the support that you gave oh, me. I love it. And my family and, you know, like, you know, it's not just, um, yeah, for me last year, it was hard on a lot of businesses, even if they had very neutral circumstances, like you said, mental wellbeing was okay. And I mean, though being in financial and, and constant level of stress will, naturally take a toll on your mental well-being but um to add on top of that that everyone was struggling in business but I mean I'm just grateful my word my um retrospective word was gratitude because the fact that my business is still standing mm -hmm. my family went through that um you know there were times throughout the year where I didn't know if I was if I could keep functioning it was there was just so much and it felt like I actually watched the Ed Sheeran documentary, which I highly recommend, and he described it as he had like a series of grief, um, a number of things of grief coming up, and he said it was like the waves kept crashing, and that's what depression can feel like. Or you know, We don't might not recognise it when you're in grief, you're in depression, or when you're in survival, you're in depression, but that it's the waves just keep coming and you just can't take a breath because every time you come up, another wave comes. And for me, that was my grandmother passing away and then, you know, yeah, a difficulty in business and then two friends dying in August of breast cancer. You know, it's just like wave, 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 crash, crash, crash. But I got given, um, I don't know if this speaks to you as well, but I got given this line last year which I put up on my wall and it stayed with me, which is grief is clarifying living. Mm. And it, no one, sh we shouldn't have to go through these things, but um, there are these things that happen and out of out of it if we can take anything in the grief makes you go well I know what's important and not and I see that with you there's things that you just don't give a fuck about <laughs> <laughs> that's the benefit about. of it yeah 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 that's absolutely the benefit of it and small things do. don't bother you yeah people don't Boundary. you just don't hang around yep the motherhood I think that's been the great thing about motherhood too and look the combo motherhood COVID these these loss there's been so much loss and grief, but it has helped me um, 
and you know being pregnant having a child you learn to let go of things you let go of control um you have to let go and you're allowed to grieve those things and I told you and I'm not going to say first world problem but you know like I told you before we got on I I have given up a four-year dream of going back to Mexico for our wedding anniversary I had to let that go it's a luxury um it's a nice to have but it was something that was important to me and that I cared about so I will grieve it I have, I have grief. I am grieving it, I guess, and letting it, but I'm, I have to let it go because is it really the most important thing? Is it, is it, or what's it going to contribute? Like, also, like, you know what they say, one door closes, another opens. So, where are you going to, it's interesting. I reckon during that time, just that you were planning to go away, just take note of the things that happen. Mm. There could be some vastly important, that could be, you could be introduced to someone. Or, and I know this sounds like the biggest hogwash ever, but no, I believe like, I you know, to yeah. y- you pepper things in that, you know, you can, th- what actually pulled me out of whatever depression I was in, um, because it's really hard to kind of shake when you've got PTSD and I highly recommend that if anyone's feeling foggy to go and speak to someone, um, because everyone thinks they're okay. And I thought I was okay with, with after my second born, um, lie. And I reckon it was five months before I realized that I was, I was PPD. Um, I was postpartum depression, I had postpartum depression and kept ticking all that. And everyone kept saying, you're okay. You're okay. Because you're smiling or you're okay because you're still doing this or you're okay because, but I was angry. I was so angry and everything felt so overwhelming. And it was at that point that I went, you know what, I am going to speak to a psychiatrist because I feel like this is an overload of, of a combination of PPD and ADHD, uh, which I found out that ADHD also, uh, you is PPD, sorry, is highly correlated with ADHD. So, um, I found that out. And once I was, I decided to medicate myself after for what is it like 20 something years? Um, and it, it changed the game. Like it just opened up so many things, but the, the, before that I was stuck, I think it was 2022 October. I came past this reel and it said, no one's coming to save you except you. And I was like, oh, and then I realized that it was like, <laughs> you either play the victim. Yeah. You play the victim or you play the victor. And I was like, oh, here we go. So yeah, I took control of, of my shit. Um, and that doesn't mean that you negate what has happened to you. I think it's very important to uh, very much address what's happened, but yeah, that's, Pretty much what pulled me out of my stuff, and I, I would said, say, on the journey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were, <laughs> and one by one, by one by one, the the things that were, you can't do everything at the same time. You have to choose one thing to tackle, and the first thing that I started to tackle was actually my health. Um, so it was back to the gym on a regular basis, um, which was something that I was, you know, was basically born into my DNA. The fact that I hadn't gone was obviously built the anger as soon as i started to go and lift weights and do all my hit exercises i was loving to do like that that stopped some things and then you know i gave myself some time away and you know and you as a witness when we went to the movers and breakers conference in october was a huge thing for me like it was was bring it up i think that was it was such a turning point that october 2022 and then we had december when we went met up at business chicks hq with our lovely ladies and just seeing you I oh, really honestly like you you had been on that like keep trucking keep trucking because you had yeah. to you'd been keep on trucking and to see you and not that I want to see this but I 
I sometimes do, <laughs> you fell apart in front of us and to see yeah. you be vulnerable because you are strong and you are tough and you are like, you know, you know, rocking and you can give off that zero fucks vibe, but you were hurting and you had been through so much and I'd, I'd been privy to it, but the other ladies hadn't. And to see you open up and share in a safe space in a way that you felt comfortable, I, I loved that because that is the release, that is the let go and the honouring of the journey so that then, yeah, okay, well, then we can move forward. And I think a lot of, a lot then in 2023, you were more open as well to that help mm. and support and to letting people in. Um, you'd had to lock people out, you know, and you'd had to be tough. And yeah. Angry. So to let us in, to let the women in around and, you know, I'm, you obviously I know we go to opposite ends of the scale of the networking sometimes and the meeting people, but, you know, opening yourself back up to that because bringing new people in or, or deepening those connections, I think. Yeah, that I, it, it, that's really interesting that you say that because I think that when I went to Movers and Breakers the first thing, I think I cried every day that I was there and I think it was just being away, having my time, but that's, a, that's such an important thing is, having space because when you're stuck in a silo it's in a bubble um and you love your kids dearly so you get this mum guilt when you spend time mm-hmm. away from them and society says oh you're such a shit person for spending time away from your kid <laughs> but my god like i am just that person that needs that space because i'm such a good mum when i'm a good when i'm on you know like and right. to have like, that that build up of negative like feelings it, it actually takes that away from you being being your best self for your kids it just um, have to be three days away like that was amazing no. to top up and it was what it was that's what the event was but even a night even half a day even a couple of hours of something that's just for you like we talk about that we talk about it and it seems so simple and jade and i we, i said it and she jokes back at me but it's like it's hard we talked before we came on about how hard it is to get a night's sleep but go to India, I'll, I'll do it in a second. Like, oh, Totally, <laughs> yeah. Go and do the big thing, like go on a retreat or run a retreat in India, then sometimes it is to get to bed consistently on time and wake up at a decent time. Like, Well, that was like when I did your retreat in the February. So that was it was a knock-on effect. It was just having that time and then it all kind of built up from there. We had those moments, those little things, and then bit by bit by bit by bit, it all, my, my, I started to find myself again. And I think that it was just having, it literally was just having that space. You can't have that space at home. Like it's really hard to find that. Even if you go into another room, you st- it, it's the mental it's the mental obstruction of knowing that you can still be contacted. Um, my husband's great. He's really good. Um, and he was actually, <laughs> he noticed the vast difference of me coming back from, from movers and breakers and was like, hey, do you want to go and have another week? Like, you know, so it was just like, yeah. The Kangaroo Valley, you were like, Ryan's like, you are better. Like, you are much Yeah, you need space. I think it's just like, you know, it's not you being a bitch. It's just that you need the, it's the overwhelm. It's the overwhelm of all the expectations of you. And when you remove yourself from the overwhelm, you have the ability to sit and think and just sit with it. And so that's what he was like, what, what would you like to do next? I'm like, I just have another day to just do nothing, like mm. just space. Because it's when you're on and like these days it's so hard because we're connected to everything. And the way that technology is moving, like, you know, our brains can't keep up. So it's like funneling into the depression and anxiety. And it's like it's like you can't catch up. So we're constantly feeling like we're on a on a, a hamster wheel. But, you know, it's up to it's actually up to us to maintain that speed. It's up to us to control that speed and we can control that speed. Boundaries. 
Boundaries. Wasn't that a, wasn't that a call that we had when we were away? That was yeah. A huge, yep. Yes, and then um, yes, Tara has fielded many a late night, early morning, middle of the day um, vent breakdown. But you know, which was great. I turned that into channeled that into a post, which she said because that's that's <laughs> the reality and that was the feeling. Yeah, and it's the truth. And um, you know, so we've you can share vulnerability. You would you know you got to share when you're in a safe space. But it felt fine to share that. I'd be happy to discuss it. Um, but I had to do it when the feelings were real and that was the Absolutely. Feeling. But, you know, what you're saying about, you know, I know that Ryan, he does make time for himself in that he does his running that he loves and it's something that, you know, not all women are great at but not all men are great at and it's something that Matt and I are working at the moment. I'm like, you have to express your needs because I can't mind read. I can see when it's taking its toll, but he, just as much as I do, I, I encourage him, do you want to go away for a night? He actually prefers me and Finn to go away. He likes being at home. By <laughs> like, you go, you, you go, you go. So that works for us, but, like, that's his way to have his time. And he, his time for himself is doing nothing, either gym or nothing. That's fine, but you still, we still have to be adults and, um, you know, understand our own when our own feelings I can't tell him we can't tell someone else what they need um it, we shouldn't have to be told that we need to like you can recognize I'm getting to break tapping point mm-hmm. and if someone gives you permission take the permission and totally. I guess what the retreat is permission to come and have space and I I totally said to you I'm going to rent out the beautiful rose farm that Denise Duffel Thomas has for a few nights and one of the days is going to be just come to this beautiful space and there is no agenda but be in this beautiful space um you if we talk we talk if you don't you go out into a room and yeah just it's like like a creative stay I want to call it it's like yeah you're just paying to go away to be in a different space and Allowed. Well, it makes that you see all these like big wigs or like big successful entrepreneurs talk about how they moved and then all of a sudden things happened. Sometimes it's the environments that you put yourself in. And coming back to what you said, it's about your own needs. Like to give you an example of that exact thing, when Ari was put under and we had 16 hours or whatever it was for his surgery to take place, I went back into the room and I stared at a wall and listened to music, which is exactly what I do in any other day. And Ryan went for a freaking 21K run around Parramatta Park. Because that's how we both dealt with stress. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to tell me to go for a twenty-one k run, I would have told you. I would have told you exactly what you would expect. <laughs> I would have said, but you know, I, it's not for. Sorry, my alarm's going off. Um, it's not exactly what it needs to be. It just you just have to understand. Yeah, like you said, people's wants and needs. But yeah, it's it it is that it is that simple. Having that space, having that time. This has been exactly what I wanted it to be with you. Um, it's a journey. <laughs> my uh, my it's a journey. Uh, always a journey, but I'm so grateful for you. And and just coming to that, so I did ask you, I want to ask you a question. So one question I ask everyone, like coming out of this and, you know, it's not always ideal. It's not always, um, you know, what we expect it to be, but we do have to have a goal. And so for you, what does right now in this stage of life, living a life you love look like? It's actually nothing flamboyant. Um, my husband and I pretty much are there. Um it's just the ability of uh, it's time, um, flexibility and time to be able to create the things that you want in your family. So business is great for that. It can also be the opposite at times, but when you get the business built to a specific stage and it can funnel without you, which it has done before, so I know what it's like to be there. 
it's funny that sometimes you think that you need all of these things to have this beautiful, rich, happy life. And sometimes you find that you'd already had it. So, you know, it's, it's nothing. It's just the ability to be able to spend time with my family and not feel like I'm, uh, you know, chained to my, to my business chair, um, and have the ability to have an identity that sits outside of, of the business world and, and motherhood. Oh, I love that. Beautiful. Um, and I think it always is, the answers are always simple and people like, think it's so simple. And it's like, I mean, my mission is to live a life I love. So that's, you know, that can be very broad, but I know what that means. And that's, I know what it means to me. And so I have to find that. Um, and I love hearing what it means for other people. And, and someone did ask for this podcast. They were like, I want to hear how other entrepreneurs do it. Um, and I'm loving, this is what we're doing. This is what the guest episodes do. It's just hearing how other entrepreneurs make it work. And the fact that what you see, the shiny picture, not that we're lying or anything. It's just that we can't disclose all of it. And you can't in one post tell everybody, we all need a book to tell. I I do my hardest to try and be as transparent as possible. Um, I've openly said that on both my personal brand accounts that I'm talking about it at the moment. Like I'm not at the peak where I need to be, but I'm going through the progress now. And I feel this is what people need to watch. It's not the shiny object at the end. And this is what I did. And this is where I was at. It's sit with them during the process and watch what they're doing see the failures that they're having like because for every win that they have they've probably failed 20 times prior to that um in order for you to be somewhere in your business um you ha- you have to be willing to just hurt a little bit unfortunately sometimes the the pain the 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 big bright um shiny object comes off the back of some hard resilience and some big big changes both in business but also very very personally aligned to your identity yeah, and I I love that bit. I want to see I want to see the peaks, the troughs, the highs, the lows. I want the messy middle. I want all of it because it makes you know you and I wouldn't have the connection we have. Not that I want us to, again. Not that I want us to go through all we've been through, but because we've been through what we've been through and we've shared that, um, I feel closer to you. And I yeah, absolutely. Likewise, yeah. So how do we connect with you? How do people get more of this brilliant Tara Lad goodness? Well, you can follow the business page, obviously, is your one and only underscore AU on Instagram. That's pretty much where most of the narrative happens. You can click the link to find all the other stuff on there. But um, I'm starting conversations both on uh, Instagram, which is a little bit more personal. Um, that is I am Tara Ladd and LinkedIn's more uh, thought leadership stuff. Uh, you can find me over there. It's like Tara Joy Ladd, I think. It's pretty much yeah. it. Oh, I have a podcast. You can probably go listen to that. It's called Brand and Butter. Um, and all the and links will be in the show notes. Yeah, put it all down there somewhere. (laughs) Thank you, my friend. Grateful for you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening, lovely one. I hope this has inspired you to dream big and start creating a life you love today. If you love what you're hearing, don't forget to follow and rate on Spotify and rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. It helps other awesome people to find this podcast and get motivated and inspired as well. Want to stay connected? come and join the Live A Life You Love group on Facebook or connect with me on Instagram, emmalovell.au. The same as my website, but all the details are in the show notes, lovely. I'll see you next episode for more inspiration, motivation, and freedom seeking. Now go out there and live a life you love.